All right, thank you. What a wonderful verse. And by the end of this period, you'll be able to say it by heart, won't you? When I first started this, I thought, you know, I could go through these sets of sermons and one or three sermons, but then I, I remember that passage in, in Matthew 7.20 where it says, you shall know them by their fruits. I thought, if we're to be known by our fruits, how important is it that we spend time looking at these fruits? So we're going to go through all nine of them individually. The, 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 the flesh, the world, they have their own fruits, what comes out of them, what, what that tree bears. But the Spirit, it has its fruit. The fruit. And the first one is the fruit of love. So, we're talking about the fruit of love today. And it's not a tomato. When I first started writing this sermon, I thought, well, let's... Let's do what we, sh you know, our first thing we say, well, I'm going to write about love. So let's do the first thing that kind of, let's go to dictionary.com and say, what does it say about love? Let's define that word. So dictionary.com says that love is a profound, tender, passionate affection for another person. A feeling of warm, passion, personal attachment or deep affection. As for a child, a parent, child, or, or friend, sexual passion or desire, a person towards whom love is felt, a beloved or a sweetheart, sexual intercourse, affectionate concern for the well-beings of others, the love of one neighbor, and my personal favorite, a word formerly used in communication to represent the letter L. <laughs> Those definitions are all over the place. I mean, think about it. We've got feelings, you've got sex, you've got compassion, concern, lust, loops. Uh, loops is when you use the word to define the word. You know, love is, uh, you know, when you feel love towards someone. That makes sense. It's no wonder that when we talk to people and we have conversations with people and we see the word love on the books or the radio, or the media, or even in our own daily lives, we get confused. We're not always using the same word when we say the word love. We're not always defining ourselves the same way. So when person A says love and person B says love, they don't always mean the same thing. We have to work hard to make sure we're using the same definition. What is love? And the Hebrew as you read your Old Testament in the Hebrew Bible, it doesn't do much better in my opinion. There's, there's two major words for the word love. The first word is the word ha'ahav. 
Achav. I got to get that. Achav. Now, Ahav means love. It's, it's, it means love for one another. It means sexual, sexual or brotherly love, familial love. It's used for God's love towards man. It's used for the word righteousness. It means to like. So it's not a very helpful word. What do you mean by love? Are you meaning to like something? Because we love to use the word love for all kinds of things. I mean, I love my television shows, don't you? <laughs> I used to love pizza. They don't love me back. <laughs> the second word in the Hebrew is the word chesed. Chesed. You've got to really get that. Chesed. <laughs> chesed is a word that, that we translate in your English, your English Bible will translate the word chesed in so many different ways because we don't have an English word that means chesed. It's a word we translate it as love. We translate it as goodness, kindness. I just chose eight. Goodness, kindness, faithfulness, mercy, loving kindness, godly love, my personal favorite, loyal love and the list goes on you want a fun homework project i know some of you guys are homework people go get your concordance out go look at the word chesed look at all the different places that's used in the hebrew bible in your old testament and find out which one is which translate which which way of translating this word is your favorite different translation use different words for it see i don't have a strong concordance there, it's free online. Go to blueletterbible.com or logos.com and you could get one. Now, I do think the Greeks do a little bit better at translating the word love. They've got at least four words. They don't have at least four words. Us Americans, we only have one. Love is love, right? That's, that's what they always say. Love is love. But we don't mean the same thing when we use that word. Now, the Greeks, they have at least four words. They use the word eros. Now, eros, um, it, 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 it's, it's a word that means like sexual love. Um, you, he, he, it comes from a Greek god, actually, the, the god Eros. You probably know him by his Roman name, Cupid, which is the word Desire. Eros in the Greek. And then they have the word storge, which is more of a familiar love, family love. And the word, the word, they have the word, now you probably know this one for the scripture. You know, storge is not used in the scripture, but philia, that's a word you might, you, we know Philadelphia, the brotherly word love. And then there's the word that we all like. That's, that's the best word, agape. Agape is the word that means unconditional love. If you had to guess in Galatians 5, uh, 22, which one do you think is, going to, is used there? Agape. 
It's the word, it's the highest form of love there is. And it's a word that we like in thought, but in practice, not so much. I mean, think about it. It's, it's we agape someone, that means you love them despite their flaws and their shortcomings and weaknesses. I mean, we say we agape someone until we don't like them no more. Until we've had enough of that. We, oh, I agape you until I file those divorce papers. We like the idea. I love you just unconditionally. Except if you do those things I really just don't like. And, and so you have great examples of agape in your own life. Maybe a parent or, or a, a friend or someone that despite you being you, they just love you. And some of you don't have that. Some of you just don't have that. You don't have someone who has loved you unconditionally, whether it be a parent or... Because let's face it, some parents' love is not unconditional. It's a word, agape is the word that caused trouble. It, it gets bad PR. In the early church, uh, right after Jesus' death, they had what's called agape feast, which is what will start, it's kind of like a potluck. But it was a potluck combined with what will become, it still lives on today in what we know as communion, which we're going to celebrate today. And in the term agape love, they, they, they thought they were having uh, uh, love uh, orgies, and so they were persecuted because of this bad PR uh, by the Romans. But... As we think about that, we've got all these different definitions. Love, sexual love. When we say, what is love? Can we define it? What is love? Can we come up with a definition of what is love? We talk about it. We read about it. We feel it. We experience it. We know it exists. But our English definitions just don't live up to what we... The only way we can actually say, well, what is love, that we can't define it. Even the Greek and the Hebrew, they have trouble defining it. It, does, it seems to be undefinable. But what we can do is we can point to the source of love. Now, the source of love says, the Bible tells us what God is love. And he showed us what love is. Jesus on the cross. We can point to signs of God's love all around us. 
We can even list characteristics of love, but we cannot define it. 1 Corinthians 13 is a wonderful place where we've listed, Paul has listed characteristics of love, but he doesn't define it, does it? This is, this is a list of characteristics of love. You guys know this verse, right? It's going to be on all the cards soon. It's almost Valentine's Day. Love is patient. Oh, wait, that's one of those fruits of the Spirit. So if you're having trouble with patience, you know what it might be? You're having trouble with your love. Love is kind. Well, that's another one of the fruits of the Spirit. If you're having trouble being kind, it might be a problem with your love, your definition of love. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not eagerly angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. And boy, has this verse been used out of context too many times. This verse has been used to do all kinds of hurt. I mean, it's on the greeting card because I love you so much. I've known you for like a day and a half. <laughs> and so you're my Valentine date, so I, I love. But it's been used to support abuse. Well, if you really loved me, you would keep no record of wrong. And so you, keep, you wouldn't remember how many times I've hurt you over and over and over again. Forget that it says love does not delight in evil. But you would keep no record on. And I've seen it, I've heard it in my office too many times that this passage is a trigger passage for abused victims because they're the people that abuse them use this passage to say why they love them. And if they really love them back. Love is one of those words that is central to our faith. We love because God loves us. And I love that Jesus has shown us what love is. John 3.16 For God so loved the world. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only some of your translations say begotten. I personally like the word unique. Um, I was, uh, my wife was reading to me and out of the French because she reads French and they use the word unique there. Um, one and only unique son. Only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have et everlasting, eternal, life continuous what show of love? That's what we can say. What 
God loved us so much that he became flesh and died for us. That's love. That's something we can't, I can't live up to that. And you know what? We couldn't do it ourselves. Love is central to the faith. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, which Jesus quotes, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Love the Lord your God. And then he says the second greatest commandment is also love, right? Leviticus uh, 1918, do not seek revenge or bear judge, a grudge against anyone, but love your neighbor as yourself. It's central to our work. Love is central to the work as Christians. It's, it's a word that we, so we love, we're called to love others. Caring for the poor, caring for those who cannot protect themselves we love because we were loved but yet when we use this word love we cannot define it it is it's something that we have to experience because of the love of God. And I tell you what, that's one of the reasons why some of us have misunderstandings of what love is because God chose us, chose human beings to show his love. And so you're supposed to experience love through your family first so you can understand God's love. Starting with the father, the parent, the dad. That's why we're supposed to call, that's why he said, call me Abba Father, because we're supposed to relate to our own father, whose love is supposed to be unconditional and protect you and keep you home. And I know that some of you did not get that. Actually, the statistics out there show that if the father was present, you're more than likely to have an absentee father if they were present at all. Now, some of you had great fathers and I know you did. You had great dads and you loved them and they loved you unconditionally. They really showed you what God's love was first and you say, I know that God loves me and I can show you how because he, he loved me just like my dad did. Unfortunately, that's not the reality for Moses. Uh, most people so they can say, so they have trouble understanding what love is because they were not shown love. This love is something we have to experience. Otherwise, it's just a word on a page with a thousand definitions. And his love, God's love, pours down on us pours down on us and overflows to the world around us and they shall know us by our love. And love is not, hey, go do whatever you want to do. 
if you loved me, you'd let me keep doing whatever I want to do. Love says, I want, to go down, I want you to go down the path that leads to life, not the path of destruction. Love is not overlooking abuse and saying, hey, I know I'm love use, therefore I want to let you keep hurting me or hurting someone else or hurting your, someone, your, your others. That's not love. And as we, we look at, am I known for my, and we say, well, what's my next steps? What's, what's that mean for me? Well, if you, the first thing is, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you have not accepted his love. He loves you so much that he came to earth to die for you. He came to earth so much that he is now, not, didn't just stay dead, he rose from the dead and now is up to sitting on the right hand of the, God, uh, of the Father, interceding on your behalf because you can't do it by yourself, couldn't get it right, and he loves you so much that he's going to protect you. And he wants you to become part of his family. Now, some of you had bad families. He wants you to become part of his family, which is full of true love that we can only understand if we experience it through God. But those of you who are Christ, we have God's love, and it should be evident in the way that we love. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. That, that verse in 1 Corinthians. I love this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is in the way we talk to each other. It doesn't envy. Oh, how many of us get caught up in that? Well, their life is going better than mine. Or they've got the position I wanted. Or they got the praise that I wanted. Or they got the... Love does not envy. Love, it doesn't boast. How many of us are boasters? I know it. I know it. We all fall into this trap at times in our life. We like to boast about the things we've accomplished. I'm a lover. Therefore, I'm going to boast about how much I love. <laughs> it's not proud. You know, pride. In, um, in the Bible, sin is sin. But um, we've kind of categorized love uh, sins. You know, like seven deadly sins. In the Bible, sin is sin. But if you go look and, and read, um, if you've never read The Divine Comedy by Merton, everyone should read that in their lifetime. It's a great book. Um, as he's descending into hell, um, pride is the last stage before he's allowed to go and move on. Pride is the worst of the sins. Pride is one of those things that keeps us from moving on in our life. Pride is what keeps us focused on ourselves. 
Pride is one of those things that say, well, why am I not getting the praise? Why am I not? Why aren't they asking me my opinion? I can do better. It's pride. Love is not prideful. It doesn't seek ourselves. It seeks the well-being of the other person, right? It's not easily angered. I love that word in the, in the Hebrew that God is not easily angered. He's using a God trait. I love it in the, the idiom in the, in the Old Testament. He's long of nostril. I love it. Love is not easily angered. That doesn't mean it doesn't ever get angry. There's a place for righteous anger. But it keeps no record of wrong. You know why it doesn't keep any record of wrong? Because we need grace too. Now that doesn't mean someone keeps abusing you and you keep letting them. That's not what that means. It means if you are, it means you're keeping no record of wrong. You're not letting that anger and that bitterness and that resentment build in your heart. Because you're willing to just forgive and not let that anger and bitterness eat you up. Does not mean I'm going to stay here and let them keep doing this again. That's not loving yourself. That's not loving the, the you that God created you to be. That's not, that's not they don't love you. Well, I love you, and so I'm going to keep hurting you. No. Someone hurts you like that, that is not love. Love doesn't keep it, but it delights. It does not delight in evil. That means if someone is hurting you, or abusing, keeps hurting you, keeps sinning against you, that's evil. It does not delight in that. It cannot be around that. It delights in the truth. And truth must come out. You know, one of the, the sins of uh, previous, uh, previous time, including in churches, was the sin of keeping it quiet. We don't want any bad news to come out. So we're going to let sexual sin or abuse, physical abuse, or, and we're just not going to talk about it. We're just going to, shh, don't tell anybody. And you know what that did? Is it allowed people to keep hurting That's not what, that's, the truth has got to come out. Because love demands that truth comes out. And the truth of Jesus Christ is that is not okay. It always protects. Not itself. Love does not protect itself. Otherwise Jesus would have protected himself. Called down the army angels, got himself off that cross. Which he had the power to do. It protects what? Those who cannot protect themselves. It protects, that's why God says, go feed the poor. Go take care of the widowed. It protects those who cannot protect themselves. It always trusts So I love 
So I'm going to trust that you're going to do the right thing. I'm going to trust. And trust is one of those things that once it's broken, it's very hard to get back. And some of you, you're in that position where you say, I want to show love. I want to be known by my love. But I have broken the trust of so many other people. They trusted me and I did stuff that was not loving. And I broke that trust. And you know what you got to do? You're not going to just say, I'm sorry. You're going to have to repent. Repent means to turn away from the the area that led you down that path, that you were breaking people's trust, and you're going to have to rebuild that trust, and it's going to have to happen slowly over time if it ever happens at all. And we have to be a group of people that is known for our love, which means we have to, we as a society, we as Christians as a whole, have to rebuild some trust. Because too many Christians, I'm going to put that in air quotes, Christians have claimed the name of Jesus and done some pretty unloving things. So we're going to have to rebuild that trust. It always hopes. I love that word, hope. It hopes for the best. It's not, oh, I hope he's going to kiss me tonight. (laughs) Hope is we can put our hopes in it. We can put our trust in it. We can put our faith in it. Because it's love. We can put our hope in the people that are there. It preserves what a wonderful world. Preserves what? What is when, when you pre- preserve something, what do you do? You save it. You keep it whole. You keep it alive. You preserve it. It preserves, loves, protects, and preserves. It builds up life within it. That's what Jesus, he preserves us eternally. does not tear down, does not lead down the path of destruction. It preserves life, keeps it good, keeps it healthy, keeps it whole. That's what love is. And so maybe our next steps might be, you know what, I need to start rebuilding trust. Or I need to, or you know what, I need to forgive someone who did, they said they loved me, but they did not. Maybe I've got to come to the reality. The, 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 I've got to mourn. And yes, mourn, just like you would someone's death. You've got to mourn the fact that they said they loved you, but they didn't. Or maybe you've broken that trust. You say, i got to rebuild. But as we think about our next steps, we got to ask ourselves, am I known for my love? Am I known for my love? They may call it a different word. They might say, well, you're always bringing out the best in me. You want what's healthy for me. You know, you're always on my case to get what's right from me. Am I known for my love? That's fruit number one. 
If we can't get the fruit number one right, because that's where all the other fruits from out fall out of, if you can't get that one right. And you know what? At times in your life, you're going to be like, I am known for my love. And sometimes in our lives, we're not going to be known so much for our love. Because we fall into sin. We fall into mistakes. We fall into pride or selfishness. Or, and we got to say, you know what? All of us have got to say, well, you know what? Now's the moment I need to do a check. Am I known for my love? And if there's something blocking it, how can I put that to death? And you know, the beautiful thing about it is you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. There's people that are beside you that are, we're going to go the distance together. Now, don't choose someone who's going to blast it all over Twitter. TikTok, make a TikTok video. This is my friend at church. That's not loving either. (laughs) Father God, right now I pray that you show us what real love is. We know that you have shown us through Jesus Christ. Help us to see the image in our minds and help us to live that image out in the life around us so that we may be known for our love. Lord, that we call people to your truth, that away from the path of destruction onto a path of, of life. But Lord, that we, 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 we live out a life that, that shows your love to those around us. Lord, I know that, that some of us have failed that. Lord, I pray that you help us to repent and move back in that and change our lives so that we may be known for our love. Lord, some of us have had horrible family life or, or, or people in our relationships that have hurt us. Lord, I pray that you help us to forgive, but to say that is not an image of love. We want to love according to your love. So Lord, I pray that you heal those who are broken right now. I pray that you put them on a path that your love draws them to a path of life and away from that brokenness. Lord, I pray that we may be loving and not judgmental to those around us, but that we love. I pray that we are able to grasp hold of your love and show it to everyone in our lives today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to move to a time of invitation.